When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so um, it's going. I'm going to give it like five seconds before we start, and then let's do the clap. That sounds good. It's at six seconds now. Okay, so uh, we'll clap on one again. (laughs) You count. (laughs) Okay, three, two, one. Yes! That was pretty good. So good. First try. Dude. Pretty fucking good. Okay. Tell you what. We're getting good. We're getting so good. We're so fucking professional. It kills me kills me hello listeners and welcome to roundtable seven of the mad scientist podcast i am your host chris cogswell and i am joined by my co-host marie mayhew marie mayhew how you doing how's it going marie it's going pretty good pretty how's good. how's all my science people out there how's being a doctor treating you it's Are you treating me that, okay that mad doctor perks they look at me weird at uh, Dunkin' Donuts now when I say it's for Dr. Cogswell. That would be Dr. Cogswell, bitch. It's killing me. It, it better be low fat. And then they look at me and they say, we didn't ask for your name. <laughs> and it just gets really weird. Um, and they're yeah. like, sir, we closed two hours ago. Can you please? <laughs> right, please, sir, please leave. Please leave our bathroom. And I'm like, I'm a doctor! <laughs> this... This is actually our second take of this because the first one, uh, we it just kind of crapped out on us. So that's pretty cool. And it was genius. You people missed out. Seriously. Like, it's going to, in 50 years, that'll be like the lost tape. Mm-mm. You know? Mm-hmm. Telling you. Mm-hmm. Anyways, this week is, uh, well, this week previous was Mother's Day, which is awesome. Yes. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there, including you, Marie. Well, thank you. Shout out, moms. Shout out, moms, and that Shout is why out, we're moms. gonna have we're gonna have a special intro this week. Aww. So I'm sure you're all gonna yes. love it because it's really great. And this week also, we've had some really big things happen to the show. So first off, we have to say a huge thank you to all of our listeners, all of our fans, anyone who's given us positive ratings on iTunes. Woo! Um, just everyone overall who listens to this and enjoys it. We love you all. Very much. We're, we're so happy to have you. And uh, we just hope that you keep keep supporting the show. Keep sending in listener questions. Keep giving us ways that we can make the show better. And just overall, you know, just keep keep enjoying it. Just so keep good. Keep on keeping on. Mad keep on keeping ads. on. I'm telling you. Rule. You all rule. So this week, thanks to all of our fans, we have been accepted onto Audio Boom, which is like... One, it was one of my top five podcasting goals when we started this show. Which I, I gotta love. be totally I, honest. I love that you have goals for podcasting. They're my goals. It's my vision board, Marie, as you say. It is my it, vision it is, board. It is. You are like you are like the tween girl with twilight. Uh, you know, the twilight cutouts, being like this. <laughs> this is my vision board for Edward. <laughs> and this Edward. is the Lamb- This is the Lamborghini I'm gonna drive someday. And this is me sitting on a beach with a bucket of chicken. It's gonna be and- great, Marie. And this is my unicorn, Harold. This is my unicorn, Harvey. Harvey. <laughs> he has a name. This, so Audio Boom is a hosting site for uh, some really, really great podcasts that we really enjoy. 
including ah. our I can't speak for you, Marie, but my personal favorite Astonishing Legends, of course. You, oh, <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think you could safely assume that they're I think they're OK. I think they're all right. Yeah, Marie thinks they're, they're OK. All Marie right. thinks they're OK. I don't know about that forest guy. Oh, I but, don't think he's real. No, he's not real. It's just Scott. It's just Scott with another voice. I'm I'm 100 percent certain. In fact, even though you've met them both. I don't know. Secret. I, I don't know if that was truly him. Like I don't. I recognize Scott. I don't know about Forrest. I don't know about that corporal. We've never seen them in the know, same room. Confirm or deny. Sitting in front of me was you know suspect. Looked like a makeup. Listen, stop. Scott and Forrest. Now this is on your table. Confirm or deny. <laughs> Confirm or deny. Okay, that's what you have to do. That is real. This episode, we're getting back to our roots. Uh, we're going right to monsters, heavy monsters this episode. The heavy hitters, people. We're getting back to The heavy into hitters. It. Enough of that esoteric bullshit science stuff. <laughs> Forget all those molecules those and nerd stuff. Lofty we're ambitions. And for the monster jugular. Straight, yeah, we're going, we're going to terrorize society, <laughs> lay waste cities, and just, it's going to be some good shit. I'm it's finally happening. Monster. So what, what do we do in this episode, Marie? So this episode, we're going to open with a fan favorite from the get-go. If you love monsters, then you must have a special spot in your heart for the Jersey Devil, which I know, Chris, you are, you are a, a fan way back of the Jersey Devil. Love the Jersey Devil. One of my favorites. So we're going to go into sort of where did that all come about? What does is, what is the Jersey Devil look like? What is he out there doing in Jersey now? Um <laughs> <laughs> I just just sort of the whole background and then we're gonna just where where where's he been where's he you been? know where's he been where's he been what's he been up to what's it did he go back to school <laughs> <laughs> um and then we're gonna answer a lovely viewer question which is not yes. necessarily monster related but it's still really good nonetheless we're just gonna pretend that it has to do with monsters but it doesn't have anything to do with monsters. with monsters it does have to do with science so okay fine we'll yeah it fits the show fine. whatever fine fine whatever and then uh we're gonna tackle one of my favorite monsters which is the gloucester sea serpent which yeah was a real, which was a real quote-unquote sea serpent that uh was seen a whole bunch of time in the 1800s and was it real? It was out there terrorizing the good people of Massachusetts. Um, yeah, and my second favorite new, my second favorite New England state. Uh, it's just yeah, and it's like it's <laughs> it's a really kind of a creepy and crazy one. But again, these, so good. These two are mostly most you know they happened in the past. They're not, you know, they're more they're more folklore and legend than anything else. But for our final, our final tale of terror of monsters is actually a true story. It's happening today. And it is blood curdling and terrifying. And I think our listeners are really, you know, you're going to have some trouble getting to sleep after we go through it. I can guarantee yeah, the really, the that. Really, I got to tell you, this is pretty exciting for us. I think we have the scoop on this one in terms of monster oh, God, yeah. podcasts or paranormal yeah. shows covering this topic. Yeah. yeah, we did some. I think we have the scoop. We do. I'm pretty sure we do, especially in, in the monster genre. And right, and it's really exciting because in this case, there is hard evidence. There is. There is, what, there is straight up hard evidence. There is, so there's we're, actual uh, factual evidence of these. Of, of, yeah, of what's going so strap on. in, Whoa. strap in, put on your, your monster listening hat. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Get ready for another episode of the Mad Scientist Roundtable! Welcome to the Mad Scientist Roundtable Podcast. Hey, it's Monster! 
the Jersey Devil. I love on the so if you if you Wikipedia the Jersey Devil, uh, which is so people okay people always shit on Wikipedia as a source, and it's not great. It's not great if you're just taking Wikipedia itself as a source. But every in in all the good Wikipedia articles, at least the uh, quotes and the the information is cited, so you can actually go and find primary sources through Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoy that part of it. But so on the on the page of the Jersey Devil on Wikipedia, it says this article may lend undue weight to certain ideas, incidents, or controversies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like slanted, man. What? I'll tell you what—that's bias. <laughs> that's some biased damn, journalism. Damn Jersey pro Jersey Devil. No, that's lobbyists. The, that's fighting big, for them. That's a uh, deep. Deep state Jersey. That's deep Jersey. Deep state. It's bullshit. Yeah, exactly. All right. So the Jersey Devil is is one that I absolutely love. As Marie said, it, it really hits close to home for me. I grew up right next to New Jersey. I grew up in Staten Island, New York. And this this story was like the closest thing we had to a real monster. To a, a real <laughs> I guess. legitimate kind of boogeyman, something like, that you were you know, scared of as a kid. Yeah, like this was this was something really scary. And I mean, it was scary until you saw the the famous picture from the Philadelphia Bulletin, the one where it's like a donkey's head on, on like the spindliest legs ever. Right. Yeah. But these little bat wings, so, I will say, like, yeah, it's, it's just, I, when you look at it, when you sort of subjectively or, you know, objectively, I should say, look at it and just maybe put it into context with some bigger things. You're kind of like, what the hell is that a goat? Is it a goat standing on its hind right. legs? Like, what's <laughs> right? What the hell's going what? on? This is this is the Jersey Devil, you know, because you think it's like, so this going to be much more. I don't know. So this is something that always bothers me in all the all the talk about like sea serpents or like the Jersey Devil or anything with this kind of same shape. They always describe these things as having horse like heads. And that to me never meant when you're when you read that and then you think about like, what the hell does that look like? We always imagine it just is literally the horse of like the head of the horse of a head, the head of a horse kind of stuck on this like sea serpent. And that is really stupid. I think what they I think what they mean when they say horse like head is something with a almost more like a lizard head. I think they mean um, I think they mean yeah. like a gecko head or something where it has an elongated snout yeah. and it's quite a big head like the same size yeah. of the head of a horse. But I don't think they literally mean the, the Jersey. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they do. I haven't ever seen the Jersey Devil you know, there might be someone at home like, nah, man, I saw that horse head freak thing. But I just I always think that that must mean, especially with the sea serpents and everything, that it must mean a head like a snake or not a snake, but a, a like a Komodo dragon. Something that they something didn't with like a like an extendable jaw or something. I don't know. Right. That that no. seems to have a mane of spikes or something, you know, something that they wouldn't have known necessarily in 1800s. New Jersey, been that. you know, or 1700s New what Jersey I like when they is, started. I like how you qualify it by saying you've never really, you haven't seen it yourself. Well, <laughs> could be that. Well, like, I can't. Jersey Devil's listening, like it's getting a cappuccino out there, and it's like, you know, it's checking, it's checking its iPhone. It's, it's like <laughs> it's looking at the Washington Post app, and it's like, wait a minute, what? Wait, what? No, I don't. Right, I, it, I sees, it sees it's, it's Google mentions, and yeah. it's like, oh, fucking shit, okay, man. man. No, I do have a horse's head. It's I have a horse head. It's beautiful. Me. God damn. Take me as I am. And then it, you know, and then it gets its Tesla. Gets in its Tesla. Um, no. So, 
I've created an entire alternative narrative for the Jersey Devil. Listen, so Marie, I, if we can't if we can't take the Jersey Devil at his worst, we don't deserve him. We don't at his deserve, best. That is true. So why don't you tell the, <laughs> tell the good listeners like besides the horse's head, like what is like when you picture the Jersey Devil or when they talk about the Jersey Devil, what was like the first sighting of the Jersey Devil and how did that like how did that come about? Okay, yeah. Marie, keeping us on track. Hey, man. Let's <laughs> So the Jersey Devil myth really started in the 1740s to the 1800s in New Jersey. So the original story itself has. So the legend starts off with a a very poor family. Keeps having children, basically, they have 12 kids and they can't feed them and they're broke and they're having a really hard time with it. And. Because they're new settlers. The mother this gets, isn't like, you know, they're new, right. they're new settlers. This is community. not, it's not like yeah. they're living in, right. They're not living in Red Hook or something. And, like, you know, this is like serious, serious, uh, serious hard times here every time they have a kid. And so they have a new, they have a kid. They have 12 kids rather. And then at the 13th child, when she finds out, the mother finds out that she's pregnant, she exclaims, Oh, I hope I hope the devil takes this child or this this child is a devil. Right. She's basically that she's been cursed with another child. And so the legend goes that as she has this this 13th child in her home, originally it comes out a normal baby. But again, she curses it or something happens and it immediately transforms in front of their eyes to some kind of creature with the legs of a goat the wings of a bat and a and a protruding snout like that of a horse and it it immediately kills the midwife <laughs> and another another person watching i think it also i think supposedly it kills the mother as well and then uh basically escapes into the woods surrounding the leeds home in atlanta county new jersey which is the pine barrens which is this this wooded area where the jersey devil is supposedly sighted most often yes which is sort of creepy. Oh, oh, and a, and a fork tail. Let and me let me let oh, me yeah. say again. It had a fork tail as well. So there's all of this. There's all of this. Yeah. And that's the other thing too. In, in some of the earlier accounts of it, or some of the other accounts of it, it's not. It's not have. It does not have a horse's head. It has a goat's head. Mm. So it's vi- it's very heavy with devil imagery, right? Yeah. That the the kid comes out, she's cursed it, and it becomes a demon or a devil or something. And it flies up the chimney, right? That's my favorite part. And it flies, it flies up the up chimney, the- right? I don't know if it cackled or not, but it After probably did. White, it laid waste to the midwife and probably, you know, smoked its own mother. <laughs> and then it, yeah. Call me a devil, yeah, will you? It was like, <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it's fire and brimstone, the smell of salt. Exactly. The chimney. To hot. So really. What's 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 really interesting about this one for me is how much real history there is to this story. So there really was a Leeds family that lived in Atlantic County, New Jersey, who had 12 seems to have had 12 children. But they're not sure. So this would be the family of Deborah Leeds and her husband, Jaffet Leeds who had uh, 12 children and then the husband died in 1736. But the problem with this is that there is a much stronger leads as a contender for the result or the the beginning of the Jersey devil story. The leads that I think is probably the most, the most likely source of this story. And also 
I guess many, you know, many historians consider to be the, the source here would be Daniel Leeds. Daniel Leeds was a settler in New Jersey who originally was a Quaker, but he didn't really get along with the Quaker authorities. He published an almanac, you know, supposedly being able to predict how the weather would change ahead of time, kind of very similar to Benjamin Franklin's uh, Uh Poor Richard's Uh Almanac. And but the difference with Daniel Leeds Almanac was that he also included astronomical projections and predictions and kind of occult ish writings at the time that a little French and they they really rubbed the Quaker, the Quaker, (laughs) you know, the very religious Quaker establishment rubbed in the wrong way. You know, it it really got their oats up. Yes. (laughs) Eh? Eh? It's pretty good. So the, (laughs) the problem. So, and and it just got worse and worse over time. So the Quakers would try to stifle him and then he would get into more and more crazy shit. So eventually by the time that it really took off, he was publishing stuff on demonology and natural magic and mysticism and occultism and stuff. So, so really quickly, if I can just jump in and say something, if he was a, she, I believe they would have probably just burned her at the stake. Right. Or drowned her. Oh, absolutely. Are you kidding me? Well, he's a little fringe. You know, he's starting to talk about black magic and stuff. You know what? (laughs) Right. All right. We're going (laughs) to, we're going to step back, but this midwife over here, Right, they they kept giving this guy who's publishing witchcraft yeah. books chances, but a, a fucking frog lands on a midwife right. the wrong way and they well, burn her. Yeah, it's pain. pretty nuts. I don't, what? Right, it's pretty nuts. Churches. Yeah, so it's, that's interesting. So, so the Leeds family, in fact, Leeds himself was eventually censored, and his almanacs were considered were were officially deemed blasphemous and heretical by the Philadelphia Quaker meeting in the 1690s. And so they just kept like it just kept happening, right? And oh, you Quakers! What eventually what? So what eventually occurred was Daniel Leeds' son Titan inherited the almanac business from his father. And started publishing publishing this almanac more regularly, and it started getting a higher readership. And so Titan Leeds and Ben Franklin got into like a kind of a competitive fight over the almanac business, I guess. The Ben Franklin. And so what's really what's what's really interesting is um, in 1733, Ben Franklin jokingly put an, a section on astrology in his almanac and said that. Titan Leeds, the publisher of the other, you know, the the Devil Almanac, would die in October. It's a little dark, Ben. And <laughs> yeah, and so Titan Titan Leeds was like, yo, fuck that, and he, you know, called Ben Franklin a liar and like a fool and stuff, and they just kept they just kept fighting back and forth, and this eventually ended up with Ben Franklin saying that in his almanac that Titan Leeds must be a ghost because his project, his predictions were never wrong. So, so Franklin was like, well, I've never been wrong. So that means you died. So I don't know how a ghost is writing this, but you know, you're just, you're haunting me now, dude. A little dark, so, a little dark now, and sort of where, asshole-ish. So, so where does this, so now where does the story of the devil come into this? So this guy and his almanac and his family is already considered a cult and weird by the people in Jersey and Pennsylvania. What, ended up happening then was that so this is 
around the time that Franklin started, they started fighting back and forth with Titan Leeds, is that the Leeds family crest started being put on the almanacs, and the Leeds family crest, Marie, is that of a wyvern, a a bat-winged dragon that has, it's actually all kind, it's all mixed in with alchemical allegory, actually, the wyvern, it's really interesting, but it, it stands on two legs, it does not breathe fire, but it's supposed to be kind of a, a beastly, ferocious, devil kind of a, of a thing. And so... Sounds familiar. Basically, what it what it so what it seems to be then is after this point, so now late 1700s, early 1800s, people started talking about a Jersey Devil, or a, they actually called it the Leeds Devil at the time, who lived in the Pine Barrens or the Leeds Woods of the area. So that is where it seems that this idea comes from. That's, that's a little and creepy. His so crest is what, is, what yeah. is what could have given some some substance to it in some ways. Well, it's interesting, right? Like what you said, if they had, if, yeah, if he had been, I mean, first off, if he had been a woman at the time, they would not have let him yeah, publish there would be a no, book. There would be no crest either. <laughs> that, would, that shit would have been stopped. No, cold. she would not have gotten close enough to a, to a pen to have been able to write <laughs> anything. But, but it's, it is really interesting, right? And so, People started claiming to see something in the Pine Barrens, this this really thickly wooded area of Jersey and started saying, you know, it, well, it must be it must have something to do with this esoteric, this occult family that lived in the area. And so it's I think it's really interesting that it has like I had never I knew that there was supposedly a mother Leeds, mm -hmm. right? I had heard that story as a kid that I, I had heard actually that you could if you went deep enough into the woods, you could find the charred remains of the chimney where he flew out of. Right. That's like nice, I, so that's as a, a nice kid, I was like, story. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know where I heard it, but I distinctly remember being like, shit, I'm never going to the pine oh, barrens, but, and, and so the, the other thing too, now this gets, this gets part of all these other ideas of, there's actually kind of a, a worldwide phenomena of people finding cloven hoof prints like on their roofs or in snow and stuff and people claim that it must be the devil visiting them at night or you know kind of a demon or something and so um that's something that happened in the area kind of around the same time that people were seeing you know goat tra or hooved tracks not goat tra you know but tracks like necessarily but hooved two, tracks right not in fours and it was always like Tracks are always in the no, oh, right, always in twos, always in twos, which suggests that it's like uh, probably an owl track, <laughs> right? It's just a, it's just a, you know, some kind of bird. But what's really interesting is, and this is kind of the reason why I think the Jersey Devil legend really, really took off, was that the area kind of, the area itself sort of pushed it along, right? So. The Philadelphia Zoo had a 10,000 reward out for the creature at some point. Uh, the merchants of Camden, New Jersey, also offered a $10,000 reward for the capture of the Jersey <laughs> Devil. That was in that was in 1960, 19, like around 1960. Yeah, this is the thing that's amazing to me is like, again, the Jersey Devil, like if you kind of so it gets its roots really, really early on. And it's it's not like Bigfoot, right? You can probably have a Bigfoot pretty much anywhere in the United States, you know, in, anywhere in the United States. My, my aunt 
in Kansas say says claims you know to this day that she has seen Bigfoot and it was snowing and it was like a it was like a uh-huh. yeti. Well, that's a different that's a different monster story. But my whole thing it's it's sort of ubiquitous. You can have it anywhere. I think the thing that is amazing to me about the Jersey Devils, you take this sort of unlikely story and this really unlikely monster that is not really hulking or really particularly menacing. I mean, it doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. we're not, it's not exactly breathing fire. It's not exactly, it's menacing people. And it's just sort of a punk, right? I mean, it's flying around and it's just sort of like, hey, what you going to do? You know, it's like, you know, and it's like maybe stealing some chickens or something like that. But it has survived and has sort of been embraced to this day. And to me, that's like such a strange, like, such a strange phenomenon because there's not a lot of monsters that are that well-known that are American monsters, right? You've got like what? You've got Loch Ness, which is Scotland. You've got other ones that are sort of more, I can't even think of right now, but like Jersey Devil is 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 really predominant. It's still sort of this weirdly beloved tale about something that may or may not, <laughs> that I can't, that I just sort of summed up as like, you know, a chicken stealing punk, which is not the full... <laughs> <laughs> the full width and breadth of the monster itself, but it's it's just strange, and it's still being like, and people are still seeing it. It's still like, right, hiding hiding under people's cars and hissing or something. What is like? What's the last time somebody saw it? I think I think actually the last. I mean, people always so people claim to. There was a video oh, at yeah, some point yeah, yeah, recently yeah, of uh, something dusk. flying over the Pine dusk. Barren, supposedly. Oh. Always at dusk, dusk, right? So I think that's really usually, I think that's usually how people see it. You know what else is another part of this story that I find very interesting is New Jersey isn't really the, like, it's not really the countryside. No. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's pretty, like, there are definitely parts of Jersey that are absolutely beautiful and wonderful. And, you know, I have I have a very soft spot in my heart for New Jersey, having having grown up and played in Jersey, you know, all the time as a kid um so i really i really do like new jersey pretty well but the like it's it's not it's not the same say as you know up in new hampshire where i am now i could i could get lost in the forest outside my house and die right (laughs) you know what i mean like i like i could get lost and never find my way i mean i'd be able to find my way out hopefully i'm not that inept but there are but there are parts of, you know, there are parts of there are some parts of the country where you still it, it's still very, very common for you to kill and kill your own food and hunt. Yeah. And, you know, Not and Jersey, Jersey isn't really Jersey isn't really that kind of thing. Jersey is much more. Um, there is woods, there is forest, but it's very, very densely populated. There's a lot of people in Jersey and it's. You know, any big forest you're finding are national parks kind of things, the, yeah. you know, it's not like but just an area is sort of creepy. It's so just sort of a creepy, you know, things. Don't oh, it's ho- no, no, no. But that's what I'm saying, weird, though. Yeah. To have it there to your point. Yeah. What? I, yeah. What I'm what I'm saying is what I'm saying is that the, I think this story gets magnified or more sightings happen or whatever, because you don't have kind of rugged outdoorsmen <laughs> right. in the Pine Barrens every weekend yes. hunting. You know what I mean? Like there are people that do that, of course. But I think, you know, Jersey's kind of the perfect, like as a kid growing up in New York City, if I had seen, I don't know, a a hawk Mm -hmm. in the air, right? I would have been like, holy shit, what kind of pigeon is that? 
You know, like it, it would have been it would have been totally out of my realm of experience. If I... So anyways, and then, you know, and the thing with the Jersey Devil, too, is that the Jersey Devils continue to make life miserable <laughs> for the people of New Jersey to this day because they are not nearly as good a team as the New York Rangers. <laughs> but Marie. just another, just like they have a sports team. Do you like how I even get I, I narrow it all right. the way down to sports for you just in case? <laughs> right. have this is right. Team. Bigfoot's got to get a better know, PR a person. Team named after him, which I'm sorry, that's that's a pretty that's pretty good accolades for for for. It's legit. Know. Yeah, it's it is it is really cool. I want you know it's funny. It's really funny to think that when when the people of Philadelphia at that Quaker conference decided to make Leeds yeah. a blasphemer and heretic officially, I bet they weren't thinking, man, we are setting this this guy up for infamy, you know, for not even infamy for like just, you know, historical importance here. We don't remember the people at that Quaker conference, but boy, do we remember that guy they didn't no, want publishing no, Romanex. No, the guy that, you know, that, that Ben Franklin <laughs> said was dead. That's just, that's crazy. That is crazy. Whatever. Honestly, we should do a whole episode on Ben Franklin because he is a hilarious and strange character. Anyways. Anything else on the on the no? On the if Jersey, Jersey Devil's Devil out there, and we got the horse head thing wrong. Don't take umbrance with us. You know, drop us a line. Let us know. No, please. Or if somebody out there, one of our one of our esteemed listeners, has seen the Jersey Devil. You know, is Facebook friends with follows them on Instagram. Let us know. Let us know. <laughs> I want to. At real, at real Jersey Devil to, official. I would love to see it because I do remember that the. The one thing that I really do remember of it is that video of this of this thing kind of making this weird squawking noise flying. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? That's supposed to be a monster? I mean, like, Jesus, man, come on. It's, it's, it's it, two, it's, two it, pros it, fighting. It's yeah, like, like a punk. It's like, yeah. I'm like, that's like me. That's like if I was a jerk, you know, first thing in the morning. It's like, jeez. Anyways, that is one of my favorites. Oh, and it man. is one of my, it is to me, it's like, I love... Again, I love the Jersey Devil because it's a it is an American story and it's sort of like based out of our own mythos and kind of maybe misunderstanding or fears and it's just it's been we've appropriated that into into culture into our own pop culture which is even better. Awesomeness. Awesome. Cool. Let's do. Uh, the Excellent. listener question, I guess. Monster free. Okay. Listener question. Monster free. Listener question. So I'll try. <laughs> I don't know. This week, this week's listener question comes from Elizabeth Smith, who has actually asked us a couple of oh. listener questions, and we are we are ever thankful for the yes. listener questions. Thank you so well, much. What's her other question? Just really. This cool. question. Do you know off the top of your head? She asked. Oh, I don't remember off the top of my head. I know she's asked many because I've gotten, oh. I've, I've, I have a couple of emails from her in the in the file here. So, Marie, put me on the spot. Come on, sorry, Miss Smith. You can't, you can't be hitting me with this kind of stuff questions. here. All right, the gotcha questions. Jesus, this quest. So this week's question is about aluminum, or as Katie always likes to joke, aluminium, because that actually is how you're supposed to pronounce it. But whatever, aluminum, and. Whether or not it's dangerous to consume aluminum, how do we consume aluminum, and is there any evidence to suggest 
that there's a link between aluminum and Alzheimer's disease. So first off, like any metal that you shouldn't have in your body, but you do, the most likely place to get aluminum is in your water. So aluminum is a is a pretty common thing in water sources or not water sources, but it kind of leaches out of pipes. So aluminum in nature is what's known as a trivalent cation, which means three plus. So three charges and it's positive. The way I always like to remember it is that you have cations, which are positive and anions, which are negative. And the way I like to think of that is that I feel positive about cats. So cations are positive. And and I just got my PhD in chemical engineering, everybody. <laughs> so the so aluminum, like I said, is present all over the earth. It's the third most abundant element, I do believe. At least one of the most abundant minerals for sure, or mineral components. It's in every soil. It's just I mean, it's literally all over the place. It's that's why it's super cheap, because you can find it everywhere. Aluminum in its natural state like i said is a three plus cation or trivalent cation and so that means that it bonds to other things so um, for instance aluminum chloride is a very common aluminum salt that you'll find there's also things like aluminum citrate which is a organic compound with or uh, technically it's a it's an ionic compound with aluminum on it but whatever and all of these things find their way into your water supply through natural means. You know, dirt gets into water and you end up with a little bit of aluminum cations CIA. and whatever. Here. And Is so we're, we're <laughs> or right, the CIA puts to, them in the air. I'm, just, I'm trying to spice it up. Marie. can't get a monster out of aluminum, so. Which, by the way, that's that's gotten. I mean, listen, I have been trying to tiptoe around the chemtrails oh, aren't happening okay. thing. For so, for so long with Elizabeth, this show, I'm but so I think it's sorry, finally I just derailed peak. the entire question with just. <laughs> Elizabeth, it, this this question has caused us to hit peak chemtrail angerness, and so I'm gonna have to do a full episode on chemtrails here soon. Even even talking to Mick West, like the the king of debunking chemtrails, I was able to kind of skirt around it, but now I can't. We can't anymore. We have to do it. Really? Anyways, can I, can I ask one more chemtrail? So question? when you just one more, like go what's ahead. The, what is the deal with chemtrails? Is, are people do people like again? I'm my naivete. I always hear it in conjunction to conspiracy. Like it's the chemtrails are act from planes are actually poisoning us, doping us. So people, okay, this is the uh-huh. beauty with all conspiracy theories. Everybody has a different opinion about what's going on, and everyone is sure that everyone else is a government shill. So you have some people that think that the chemtrails are being pumped out. Some people think chemtrails are being put out there to poison us, right? This is kind of like, this is kind of the Alex Jones, um, fluoride makes frogs gay kind of thing, right? They've never disproven Then you have... Those damn homo frogs. <laughs> like, it's so ridiculous. Number one. I, I just, oh my God, it's so fucking stupid. Anyways. Anyways, the, the next thing is the chemtrails are being put out there in order to control us in other ways. So like, um, I guess that's kind of the same idea, but a part of that one would be they're putting chemtrails in the upper atmosphere to hide the fact that global warming is already occurring. 
But that doesn't make sense because a lot of those same people think that chemtrails are like so they're hiding global warming in order to hide the fact or they're 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 hiding that global warming is happening in order to continue to sell us oil and fossil fuels so that they can then control us somehow with the chemicals and the oil and fossil. It's all very complicated. Logic money. right there. That's very, it's, it's, it's rock solid. No, no going against that logic. And then the final, like another kind of version of this is that chemtrails are put in the air in order to basically in order to cause Ooh, climate change. Say, see, I get that more. So you have some people, so, so some people say it's stopping climate change. Other people say it's causing climate change. Then you have people that say that it is, uh, it is meant to control us or cause us to do something, you know, make us less, I don't know. They always say like less masculine, but it's like, from when? Not less masculine from, from when? Wait, you know what I mean? What? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, awesome. it's crazy, right? Like, First off, first off, besides the fact that, like, what is masculine is a fucking social construct that's ridiculous, right? Besides all that crap, it's like, have you seen the Whigs George Washington war? Is that masculine, Marie? Well, I don't think so. So, I just, so here, no, he, we are going to get back to <laughs> aluminum in just a moment. But here's, we will, so here's we promise. disconnect, right? So you've got, you've got these, you've got these chem, these chemtrails, right? And then you've got less less masculinity so how do you get the two things how do the two things tie that's what i don't under if you're going to go for if you're going to make an argument that is directly affecting you know someone's appearance or someone's brain waves or you know you're going to go for the manchurian candidate well kind of because thing, so don't you just you want something so like they, more direct yeah. right you want like wi-fi submit you know what i mean it's like to me chemtrails are yeah yeah Oh, well, all of that, listen, listen, let's not, let's not, let's not limit our conspiracy theories here, Marie. All of that is part of it too, right? They would consider, I think, I think the idea is that the, first off, I think the underlying misconception of people that have this kind of conspiracy theory is that, or this, this idea that we can lower masculinity by like shocking someone's brain or something is that what is masculine or what is considered, what is considered normatively masculine today is right is biologically determined exactly yeah that it's it's not a construct that you know we've always been Paul i don't know regardless of how the world yeah like it, regardless of how the world evolved men would always like eating meat and playing sports and McQueen. whatever right exactly versus versus this more complex idea that's kind of you know it's it's wow. honestly it's kind of almost more it's actually almost more consistent than I think a lot of people want to believe because the very idea that these things are constructs is kind of like a Marxist idea. Yeah, I guess so. Right? It comes yeah. from the philosophies of Marx that you can, you know, critique social constructs because they are a, a, the they are the way they are, and we think they're natural because of the economic system that we're part yeah. of. Right? Whatever. Regardless of what you yeah. think of Marx, that's well, the argument underlying like a those things. Constructed postmodern sort of reading, right? Which is, which is much more view. You know, yeah. takes into account much more marginalized viewpoints to begin with. So yeah, so it's 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 one of those it's one of those happy coincidences though that the dudes with the you know don't tread on me flags can also be anti-Marxist by right being there. anti. I don't know. 
like anti yeah. anti yeah. feminine man Manly or whatever men the hell they want to be. Hate communism. Ridiculous. That's some good stuff. Had Anyways. no idea. I had no idea. I thought but it was not- just exhaust. I thought it was just plain exhaust. I've been living my life sort of naive naively. It's well that's the thing, is it's it's like it's actually really complicated. It's not actually plain exhaust either. What it is, is it is a it is a cloud forming in the eddy developed by the wings oh, effect on the air right. around it. Yeah, it's like so it's it's something like this. Listen, this is for me always the proof yeah. is the proof is in the pudding, right? We can make we can make a chemtrail in the lab, <laughs> right? Like we can we can make so one happen the with the right conditions. Poisoning all these people, making them look up. <laughs> like honest. So honestly, I yeah, I would be. This is wrong. Oh, I know. I'm sorry. Fucking I'm rails, sorry. dude. I'm sorry. We, I'm sorry, Elizabeth. We we. we it's my fault um, too. The yeah. So no, the 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 thing. That's what, another thing I always love about it is my research was making nanomaterials to stop uh-huh. climate change uh-huh. right if they're not going to be spraying my particles out there of the wingtip then i don't know who's they're spraying Dude, i think we could do a total reverse reading on you as a total government madman and you and your lab and this is all a front and you and the podcast is all you know is all disinformation and you're actually there to i got you i got you people if i vanish within the next 24 hours you know why Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily. Spread the truth! Spread the no truth! No people, you know nothing. Don't... <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag teach the controversy! All right, all right. Anyways. Aluminum. Yep, aluminum. Aluminum! Yep, yep, the yep, aluminum! Yep, yep. The aluminum thing. Okay, so we naturally we naturally always have a little bit of aluminum in our body. And the way that you de- the way that you discuss toxicity or how effective a poison will be in the body or anything will be in the body are two things. The first is bioavailability and the second is the terminal half-life. Bioavailability means how much of the thing that you ingest or take in will actually become incorporated into the body to cause after effects. Right. So just like like with vitamins, if you take a vitamin pill in the morning, 80 percent of those vitamins are just going to be in your pee later that day. Right. Like you're just going to piss most of it out. Right. Any any vitamin that's like you can get 300 times your necessary daily dose of citric acid basically is just being like, we're going to turn your pee more yellow. Healthier. Um, But (laughs) it does. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, I think that's called the placebo effect, Marie. But (laughs) yellow or pee. But with so with aluminum, if you ingest aluminum, 95 percent of it, first off, is going to be so. OK, let's start again. If you ingest aluminum, only between 0.1 to 5 percent of that ingested aluminum will be absorbed by your body as opposed to just immediately, you know, whatever, kicked out in your pee or whatever. Huh. Of that 0.1 to 5%, 
95% of it will just be absorbed and then immediately go through your kidneys and be excreted. Mm-hmm. So again, of the 95% that could become bio- biologically active as a, as an ion or whatever, most of that is just not going to be useful. It's not going to do anything. 95% of it will come out of your body. So we're talking about a very small amount of any aluminum you take in actually getting to your body in any way. That being said, high enough doses of aluminum can cause problems. So again, aluminum is, is a cation. It has a positive charge. And like anything with a, like any metal or metalloid with a positive charge, there is a chance that it can, it can replace other things that your body does need, like potassium or calcium. Calcium in particular is a concern because if you take in a lot of aluminum, what can happen is instead of your body using calcium to uh, replace you know, parts of your bone or whatever, your bone structure, it'll actually use aluminum. And then that, makes your bo- you, that can make your bones more brittle if you have enough. But we're talking about a huge amount of aluminum here. You know, more more aluminum. Like if you were eating that much aluminum, you have something else going wrong, wrong with you, you anyways. <laughs> really, right? You um, yeah. Right, you're e- you're eating well, aluminum foil straight yeah, up at that point. You have peacherism or something. But the other <laughs> the other the other problem with aluminum that can happen, and this is where that idea about it being linked to Alzheimer's comes from, is that if you take in enough aluminum. Your it can affect your brain, and so it can cause it can cause various problems. But they're basically like structural. Um, they're just called um, encephalopathy, which just means you know kind of a standard term for brain damage, brain problems. And so it can cause things like you know dizziness. It can cause things like memory loss, blindness, problems concentrating, all kinds of different things. It can even you know cause really bad problems, but. The thing is that the problems that that causes are not similar to the same kind of the same kind of problems that Alzheimer's patients Ah, show in their brains. So the the mechanics of your brain damaged by aluminum versus damaged by Alzheimer's are very different. So that's why that's why there's not a lot of scientific belief that that the two are linked. But again, we actually don't know that much about aluminum toxicity. We've considered aluminum to be safe. And, and for the most part, it is. But we're now seeing in, in one in one population where we're seeing a lot of problems with aluminum toxicity, actually, are mm. patients on dialysis. Because if your kidney, if your kidney isn't working, then your kidney isn't isn't kicking out that 95 percent of aluminum you absorb. So mm. your aluminum rates can go much higher um, than are considered to be safe. But again, it's. So for for the most part, like there's no danger of you getting aluminum poisoning from storing your food in aluminum foil or from deodorant or I mean, I know people some people think that aluminum in vaccines causes autism. That's a whole other can um, of shit we have to open you know at some here, point. Here it is. It but, doesn't. That's but, the whole episode. No. Nope. It doesn't. That's the whole episode. But yeah, there's so there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of places where you meet aluminum in your day-to-day life and it's not dangerous really. So anyways, that is the basic, I mean, it's such a long answer and we, we got, took a journey. We, well, we really, I, we took a I, journey, did, Marie. Yeah, I did the tangent with that, with the took a journey. which I'm sorry about. That's okay. It's fine. Anyways, Elizabeth, we hope that that answered your question. Send more. And we and hope we will, you send we more. We will gladly not answer those and answer something else as well. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Let's do part Bum. three. The Gloucester Sea Gloucester Serpent. Gloucester Sea okay, Serpent. So this is, yeah, this is another good one. Man. And also, um, being from Colorado, we don't really have too many places that are that have interesting or different pronunciations across the board. A lot more Spanish pronunciations, but not like, so I was trying to get my, I was like, because my, my husband is from the East Coast, and he's like, it's Gloucester. And I'm like, it's Gloucester? It's Gloucester. It's Gloucester. It's Gloucester, sir. And he's like, it's Gloucester. Welcome to New Gloucester. England, Marie. Like, it are you sure? Welcome to New England. If you phonetically say it out loud, he's like, you don't do that. And I'm like, and he's like, how do you say the sauce that you put on 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 uh what it, it, he was saying Wooster, but it doesn't that's not anyways so um Wooster, that's Wooster. and i'm like called are Wooster. you sure because it doesn't sound like it should be saying and he's like you just have to be from there and i'm like well there you go Wooster. there's Wooster. there's Wooster. there's yeah. woburn there's, there's a little uh, that coastal else, elitism is names. what i told him oh, i mean really? whatever all and that coastal elitism. So anyways, I am joking. The Gloucester, which I hope I'm saying it right, people. The Gloucester, the Gloucester Sea Serpent. You are so saying it right. The Gloucester Sea Serpent is interesting because it is one of the most documented cases of people, just normal everyday people, actually seeing something that they are interpreting as, or if it could have been, for all we know, we haven't, we haven't seen it with our own eyes, and we haven't gotten an email from it. Um, a sea serpent. No, so we haven't. So in 1817, um, off the coast of Cape Ann, people, sailors, uh, new settlers that were coming in, new colonists that were coming in to build, you know, to build out the town and to build the community, families, people started to report seeing uh, this thing in the water. And how they originally started to describe it was it looked like it looked like buoys tied together that were being sort of dragged when they first would see it far out at sea. They just would see sort of ridges going up and down. And it definitely had, you know, this, this effect that it looked like it was something. But then all of a sudden, mm. uh, within like weeks, you get much more factual, actual accounts of um, this, what varied in size of from 50 feet to almost like 100 feet sea serpent with, again, the head of a horse. Could be the head of a horse. Um, but it was, it was long. It was thick. It was basically like a giant snake coiled up on shore amongst the, the rocks and the, you know, the debris up on shore sunning itself in the bay itself. And then also that you would see um, accounts of sailors that were out fishing and they would all of a sudden look down into the water and they would see it and it would come up and its head would come out of the water. So its, its head, which again, size of a horse head or whatever, would actually be out of the water with an elongated neck and the rest of the body under, under the waves. So what's crazy about this is mm. not only were people seeing it, but it was getting widely reported in the newspaper. If you look at newspaper um, accounts from that time period, they, they start with like little blurbs like, oh, you know, so-and-so thinks they saw, you know, a sea serpent. And again, you're, you, you don't know because this is the new world. <laughs> they, they very well might be new 
a new animal, a new genus that we haven't discovered yet. So they're sort of like, they sea serpent, and here's what we think it looks like. And it would just be a little blurb, and then all of a sudden it gained a huge mm-hmm. amount of attraction and a lot of notoriety in the papers. And um, one of my favorite, I think one of my absolute favorite accounts of it, and again, like sort of like the Jersey Devil happening predominantly in this one area. It's not widespread, like at the same time you're not getting from California or, you know, wouldn't have settled, but from other places more further apart on the coast, you're not getting, um, you're not getting the same sightings. Um, and like the Jersey Devil too, it's not really, it's mm-hmm. not really doing much. <laughs> it's not like really, again, it's not terrorizing people. It's not breathing flames. It's not kidnapping babies. It's just sort of hanging tight, you know, sunning itself, sunning itself at the beach. You know, it's swimming around. Sunning itself. It's like, what up, my Getting people? How is everybody? How is everybody on land? How it's a fisher boat. What's going on? So <laughs> what is after a certain period of time that this is going on, a few months, hundreds of people have seen it. Hundreds of people have reported seeing it. All sorts of people. Um, and so what is the Jeez. natural reaction that happens next? You either need to uh, scientifically prove it or what comes very closely in the same, sort of in the same mindset is that, and then we need to kill it, right? So it's like you've got the flip side of the two coins. We need to study it. We need to find out what it is. We need to classify it. (laughs) Take that completely unique sea monster. It's it's, it's from America. (laughs) We're in America now. We're going to, we have to figure this out. And on the flip side of that coin, it means us harm and we must kill it before it eats our babies, right? See, but it, but it, yeah, but that's the thing, right? It didn't, it didn't, just taken in the sun. Just taking in the sun, man. It's just taking in Come the sun. Come on. Just taking in the sun. But that's sun. so. Um, one of the interesting things too that, that one of the reasons I think that this got so much documentation is an actual um, n- nautical, not nautical. I want to say nautical, but natural society, but naturalists, biological society, biological society that was newly yeah. formed in uh, in Boston, which had you know, very substantiated members with a lot of degrees, doctorates, I'm sure, came in to actually interview and study this phenomenon of what people were seeing. And even one of the people that they brought in was someone who directly served um, with George Washington. So sort of, again, notoriety, people that weren't just um, charlatans looking to make a quick buck, but really wanted to substantiate this claim because one, uh, it's, it is a truly American, uh, a truly American event, and this is right. Really this would be something for them to stake a claim on and say, "Look, exactly. we've we've discovered a new thing here in America. We're a serious scientific, you know, what 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 time? What year was this again?" So this was eighteen hundreds, eighteen like eighteen seventeen. Now it's about eighteen eighteen, and they're starting to yeah. Like, so I mean, this in. is yeah. this is like prime. Yeah. So this is this is kind of you know. So so just as a little bit of background mm-hmm. here. I think the society was called the Linnean Society, right, of yes. Boston? Yes. So the Linnean Society, I actually looked I looked at this up a little bit. The Linnean Society is actually a really old organization that still exists in the United Kingdom. So this was probably kind of an offshoot, kind of like the Linnean Society of America, right? Uh-huh. Um, because they're, the one in Boston is no longer around. It was actually part of Faneuil Hall, oh, which is cool. So yeah. today it's probably... Uh, TGI Fridays or something, <laughs> which is which is real also very important for zoology and you know 
really important stuff going on at TGI Fridays. Study. The study of America. The study of America. They're probably selling they're probably selling I love Boston hats in the old (laughs) the old place where they were gonna keep the Boston. Boston is wicked cool. (laughs) Right, right. Sea monsters are smart. So the the thing so the thing that I find really interesting, or this is kind of an important backdrop, I think, to this, is that around this time America was still thought of as kind of like a bumbling backwoods. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, th- there's this, there's that really good. I think John Adams, the the TV show based off the book by David McCullough. Is. So, so, so interesting with this. This was the first time I'd really heard of it. But since then, reading, I've, I've learned that it's pretty common that when they sent over Ben Franklin of France to be the ambassador that he kind of played up the fake like american you know beat like like outdoorsy uh <laughs> i don't know how to say it like he wore a coonskin hat and like you know what i mean ben franklin like again? he god damn it ben franklin. yeah like he he went out there and he was like oh i hunt for all my own food and you know what i mean like he really mm-hmm. played up this idea of, I guess, like, I, I guess today would be, would American be exceptionalism. I guess. It's the American exceptionalism, <laughs> right? It's American like, exceptionalism. But that's truly what they were trying to get across was like, we're, you know, we are forging our own way. We found all of these. Own right. We're, we're not. Right. Right. We're, serious science is happening here. It's not just people, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, laying waste to native villages and stuff. Exactly. It's not. I guess. Yes, it's, it's not just uh, smallpox. Right, smallpox. <laughs> it's not all smallpox all the time. Later, you, can't, yeah. you can't have fun all the time. Yeah. So I think I think it is. I think that's a really interesting thing that they were probably they were probably like you said, really really wanting to make a name for themselves here with a big, you know, finding a new finding new insects or plants and things is pretty relatively common. I mean, it's not common. It's still amazing that you found something new. But like, you know, we find new species of flower all the time and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But finding a new mammal or even a new species of, I guess, amphibious, because this thing was was on land for a little bit and then back yeah. in the ocean. You don't even know what it is, right? It's like, yeah, well, it yeah. could be and it's but huge and it's yeah. Find, yeah, finding something big, finding an animal that's big that's never been documented before is a pretty big deal. It does not happen all that often. And today is the kind of thing that gets you your own National Geographic uh, special Which where for awesome. four hours you're on the boat and then for 10 minutes they show grainy footage yes, from something. <laughs> there! Yes, and you're like... Shots fired. Shots fired! Anyways, so, okay, so so loads of people saw this thing, so now what happens? Loads of people saw it. Well, and two, just to, you know, just to echo what you're saying, it's like um, the British and European... Uh, societies, science societies that were very, they were very, you know, dismissive of it. And they said that most sure. of the people that were seeing it, they they couldn't, they couldn't fathom what they were seeing and or they were drunk. A lot of it, I think, was back. Um, and they were mostly talking about the sailors that were giving these reports. But the problem is, it's uh, like, okay. the problem was that, you know, the count, or the, I would say the argument back to that is like, these, these sailors are, people who have been on the sea the most, they've seen a lot of things. They know the difference between a whale or a school of dolphins or um, buoys being dragged in a net by fish as as what that is versus what they were saying they saw. So it's sort of a right. double-edged sword. And also, unfortunately, the Linnean Society, what they, what they fear happened now is because they were so adamant about making this claim is that they could have led 
they could have led their witnesses by giving them sort of mm. leading questions and saying, well, did it have a, you know, was the head more like this or was it like this? Or was it a horse's head? Right. Or was it, especially the movement. They say that they, they feel like they really probably coached their witnesses a lot on the movement and the fact that it was reported that when it did move, it moved, it undulated like a chain. So it was very smooth moving and it was, um, and it was, it, was almost segmented and it had a very uh, like a very snake-like effect even in the water. So there's this mm. back and forth and they're they're documenting it and they're trying to find it, but no one. I think the most telling is no one in the Linnean Society ever actually saw it themselves. They only had the secondhand or the firsthand accounts, mm. be it from like a lot of people, from hundreds of people, but it was only the secondhand account. Um, and then, okay, so the flip side of that coin, so we're going to go in, we're going to study it, we're going to find out what it is to hopefully preserve it, maybe put it in a zoo. Flip side is, okay, we got to kill this thing because now we are terrified. It's out there. It's going to be eating our babies. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be trying to establish itself as its own voting party. It's going to, you know, <laughs> whatever it is, we have to do something to take care of it. Um, and again, like, you have sort of all of these accounts of affidavits from, from fishermen who see it, who who either went out to hunt for it or were so startled and scared by it that by they did that they, they ended up shooting at it. And one such effect is this is a um, an affidavit from the master of a schooner, Joseph Woodward, who who gives a pretty detailed description of it, saying that he's he's looking ten ten leagues in the distance. He discovers something on the surface of the water, and it looks like the size of the ship's longboat. Um, and so he's uh. thinking it's he thinks it's supposed to be a wreck of some vessel. So they made their way towards it, and approaching it, to my surprise and that of the crew, uh, discovered it to be a monstrous sea serpent. As we approached him, he threw himself into a coil. So he coiled he coiled himself up and darted himself forward with amazing velocity, the wind being ahead, it became necessary to stand on the other tack as we were approaching him again. He threw himself into a coil as before, and it came across our bow at not more than 60 feet distance. So now hmm. they're saying, okay, this what was, you know, what was this, you know, seemingly benign creature just sunning itself, taking it easy, you know, just trying to, just trying to, just trying to get by on the rocks is now, you know, charging a vessel. So of course they're like, okay, so we we're, we're going to, we loaded the gun. We loaded a, a charge with a ball and shot. I discharged the content at its head and it was distinctly heard that it struck him and rebounded as though fired against a rock. However, he shook his head mm. most terribly. And what's amazing is like, this is like, this is, an affidavit for, that is verified by like several people. And it's pretty, you know, I would say it's right. relatively, it's a relatively detailed. It goes on for quite some time about him trying to shoot it, um, but being scared of it at the same time. Um, he played around us. So after they've, after they've tried to shoot him, he kind of sinks under the vessel, right? And they're in a schooner. They're in a good size, like a schooner is, I want to say about 100 foot, 90 to 100 foot, 70 to 100 foot, my guess is. So... This, he goes on to say, he played about us for five hours, and my crew and I had the best opportunity of seeing him that occurred. I judged him to be twice the length of my schooner, say 130 feet. His head was about the size of the ship's longboat. His body below the neck was six feet in diameter. And then 
they go about to mm. compare the coloring to that of a squid. So dark coloring and all of his other, his gills were about 12. So they saw the gills on this thing is what he's saying as well. And then he also, they, they talk about how he was able to coil himself by contracting his body into a number of places and then, and then using sort of the tail and the, um, the, it almost sounds like, again, like the strike of a snake using the, the, its muscles to actually come up out of the water to strike, which to me is, I, out of the research that I did for this, was the most interesting and kind of most detailed account. And it's sort of, you know, when you put it just on a very surface level with everyone else's account, oh. it's like, what the hell was that? I mean, or, you know, were they, was it a chemtrail? I don't know. I'm just saying... <laughs> I'm saying that that's a pretty uh, that's pretty interesting and pretty. I guess he could have been making it up for notoriety at the time, but right, you know, but it's it's a pretty good detailed description of what happened. So, so what do we think? So what? So okay, what do we think this thing was? Barring giant Barring, sea serpent, uh, you know, a a friendly giant sea serpent that got a little bit ticked off. Um, I so there's <laughs> been like a few different a few different ideas about it. One, that it was a whale or a type of whale that either okay. they were seeing parts of or that had gotten tangled in nets and actually was dragging buoys behind it. Um, so they, oh, they actually did see that they, okay. um, yep. and that's how that's why they were interpreting it so uh, literally as well. Um, the other right. big, big thing that they do believe it, they could have been was the leather back turtle which gets to be the size of a vw bug those things are they're like that's interesting they're huge and their heads are such as that they are sort of differently shaped heads from a regular tortoise they've got more of a of a of a snout beak than uh than a regular tortoise and if you look at their backs they're all black they're they're the giant ones are really like they're the size of a yeah. the size of a of a six foot two person they're they're huge you know so you know what actually i was thinking about after we got off last time about this episode this this thing was manatees could have been, it could have been a manatee and yeah. so the florida manatee the largest one ever recorded is 15 feet long Dude, in captivity that's good. In or no not captivity this is the, that's the largest <laughs> they've ever they've ever recorded one that was 15 feet and every couple of years here in boston they'll there's always a story around the summertime that, oh, a manatee is up in Cape Cod or Cape Ann. Always, uh, right? And uh -huh. that's that's that area uh -huh. right there. That's Gloucester. Um, or, you know, that's the, the kind of general same area, like from, from Gloucester down to the Cape, say. But so, um, like, I wonder if they didn't see, because the manatee was only described by scientists in 17, huh. like 1740, I want to say. So I almost wonder if they didn't see a manatee and just have no you know they've never seen one they had they had no idea what the hell it was they only saw one because they're pretty rare huh, up there okay. you know what i mean but, but it doesn't explain i mean it doesn't explain everything but i always you know i always wonder about that like what you know what could it be but we have to remember too they've they've been in this country for two or three generations yeah, at most not very long, yeah. you know so there's not a lot of it's not like there's you know there's not a lot of leftover or not leftover i guess but there's not a lot of community knowledge no. about okay this is what this is this is what this is and this is also the time where you know 
they thought krakens were out there and, and stuff and yes and, and i think that that's good yeah they that definitely were were new to the area they were still coming in it's not like they all arrived wrote everything down and then and but this is also things that they may not have had where they were coming from um and so yeah they think that you know in reading it in reading sort of the hoax sites and going through it it appears that it that that's what they believe it might be because then if to the point you made chris yesterday is that if it's coiled it might look like it's coiled because it's it's round and you're seeing it in total and so it could just be laying there yeah right right um but one would also think it would be pretty easy to catch and kill right i mean if it's laying there you'd also think eh, you know you could probably come up on that turtle right. fairly quickly and be like holy shit it's a giant right. the turtle fact the fact Let's that it, eat it. the fact that his shot the fact that his shot bounced off of it as if it was a rock makes me think maybe it was a in rock. Fact a rock or yeah i, I love that or it could have been the turtle right off the shell of the turtle it could have or could it be? Yeah, totally. No, absolutely. Listen, this is, yeah, it's so cool. So we actually have a larger episode, a full episode on Marie's favorite oh, God, topic yes. ever. The real monster. Giant sea serpents planned. Sea serpents, yes. So keep, keep your, keep your ears open <gasps> listeners. Cause we're getting back to this Always topic. Good. And so this is, yeah, again, sort of like the Jersey devil. It's like, well, there's no great explanation, but you have this really cool sort of American based story that has, you know, that's still around today, the, the sea serpent one, not so much, but I'm sure if you're in the area, they probably have some good tourist items about it. Well, I'm sure they do. Listen, listen, you should go, if you're in this area, you should be going to Gloucester anyways, because it's what? fucking awesome. <laughs> it's if, so good over there. If we but have anyways, listeners, cool. please, by all means, let us know if you see anything. <laughs> yes, don't, please don't, let us don't know. Don't try and kill it right, right. off the bat, though, people. Let's just give it <laughs> try try to refrain live from shooting it. That's what I always say. It's a bunny apocalypse. Oh my goodness. Marie, I don't I don't know if I can get through this one. It's kinda late here. It's like dark outside. It's dark outside and there's rustling. You can hear rustling in oh my the God, darkness. It's gonna get if you peer into the here. darkness, can spook the darkness over here. peers back into you. Um <laughs> So, yeah, so while we have been, like, all Aaron, Aaron mankey in it up with what could be possible lore and legends, there's some real terrifying events happening now, today. There's some real dark shit time. happening in the world. Some very dark shit. And some very dark shit happening in our own, with monsters in our own, in our own, uh, some of our own backyards. Um we were horrified to find we did the research and i will say this is very very chilling if right now in the quiet state well not so quiet of nevada in las vegas las vegas which in the small town of las vegas marie the sleepy town of las vegas <laughs> well but you a totally man-made town dominated by people governed by governed by the will of man and money there are monsters there are monsters that are overrunning those towns, that town, that are that are destroying, destroying property. Those monsters, domesticated bunny rabbits. <laughs> yes, <laughs> domesticated bunnies. So Las Vegas is having a huge epidemic of 
domesticated bunnies overrunning everything. They're just like, I mean, it's really funny watching. It's not. It's not funny because it's ruined. It's like it's fucking their ecosystem up so hard, right? But yes. again, yes. it's like A non-indigenous, non-indigenous invader, right? And right, messing things up. But again, and, up. and they have no. They have no. They have no natural predators, I would imagine, in Las Vegas. I don't think. Like I don't think. Like I don't. I guess I don't know that much about the. I guess I don't know Where that much are? about the, the the ecology of the desert. Las well, it's a desert. Like so ne- the Nevada heat. desert. Well, right, so what I'm what I'm thinking them, is yeah. what I'm thinking is most of the animals then all, most of the mammals that are out then in the desert are going to be nocturnal or mm-hmm. diurnal. They're going to come out in the day or in the early morning mm-hmm. and then the nighttime. And so I would anticipate that. I would anticipate that all the predators as well are coming out at those same times. So these bunnies that are just like hopping around, you know, fucking shit up in the daytime. Yeah. Like I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't, I just don't think, I just can't see them having many, many natural predators besides maybe humans. So basically these rogue bunnies they're not like you think, of, oh, well, it's just another, you know, they're just wild rabbits, like the normal brown sort of jack No, rabbits. yeah, no. No, my friend. No. These are some super cute little motherfuckers. They're so <laughs> cute. They're so cute. They're like, they're like little, they have the little lop ears and they have the little fuzzy ones. And there's like, yeah, so- they have overrun golf courses. Yeah, and when we when we say overrun, there's like like there's a herd yeah. of over, I mean a couple hundred rabbits. Yes, yes. What do you call roaming a, herd of a golf course? I I have no idea. But I like, bet it's something really cute, out, like a lop. It's <laughs> a, a, cuddle, a cuddle. A cuddle of bunnies. Like you go out. I guess you go out and during the day they're saying because they hide because you know they're they're bunnies and they go out and you you just bring out some romaine and you just throw it and they just it's like they swarm the swarm of cuteness just thing this is this was something actually so katie was telling so when i told katie this story she was like oh i bet i bet what happened was people every year will around easter time will buy bunny rabbits for their kids mm-hmm. as presents Mm-hmm. And then people find out that bunnies require way more work than cats do mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and gerbils and whatever and immediately get rid of them. Right. Just abandon them. And so most people don't donate them. Right. What they do is they'll just abandon them outside somewhere. And it just so happens that in this part of the country where there is no natural predators, as far as I can tell, I might be wrong about that, but I think, I think frankly, the fact that there's, there's fucking torrents of bunnies piling out of the casinos, uh, pretty much tells that story for me, kind of confirms my suspicion. It's the cutest apocalypse ever. Right. But the, the issue is, I mean, pretty much the issue is that, you know, people, people get these things, then they get rid of them because they can't take care of them correctly, whatever. And they're not spayed or neutered. And so these bunnies are, you know, doing what you do in Vegas, I guess. And quite a bit is what it looks like. (laughs) Leaving behind. I'm always I'm struck by that Simpsons episode where Homer and Ned go to the desert 
in the casino and they they meet their their new wives <laughs> and they're like you know oma come scratch my back right like <laughs> but it's such yeah it's craziness i can't believe it so the thing the thing now is what <laughs> what are they gonna do marie well that's an excellent question because there's Cause like, like any, anyone that anyone that's ever had any, right i'm gonna say anyone that's ever had a cat like a wild cat uh population go out of control in their neighborhood knows that it's it's damn near impossible to to fix this once it happens so i mean basically what they're doing is they do have they have really good-hearted volunteers that are going out besides feeding them you know and trying to keep them healthy because again really hot cars dangerous you have an over overdrawn population of, of these shows are cute um but they're trying to also get them spayed and neutered and also adopt them because they are they are not feral they're domesticated so they are very mm -hmm. loving and if you go to vegasbunnyrescue.org you can see some of these bunnies and my god man it's like i just want to i just want to peanut Oh my God! Come on, they're so cute. Like. Oh my God! So this is this is crazy. Yeah. So I I actually I'm on I'm on Bunny Matters BunniesMatter.org. BunniesMatter.org people. Yep. And they it here says the Las Vegas dump site. There is a central location in Las Vegas where people continue to dump their unwanted pet bunnies at a large state mental health facility <laughs> because there are already <laughs> hundreds of feral bunnies running around at the site. <sighs> So it's like you got this mental health facility, but is now overrun by rabbits. That's some oh kind my of god! Shit. That's some sort of almost bordering on you know on Lynch, right? On Lynch type. Seriously, shit, man, that's so weird. On David Lynch, it's like you could just sort of hear the music in the background, and there's all these little bunnies everywhere. But they are so they're totally so super cute and adorable. It is the cutest. The cutest apocalypse ever, but it's it's also really bad because they're chewing through wiring. Like they'll eat anything, and you know they're they're causing they're just causing the cutest havoc ever. Oh my god! There's one of just their little tails. They're so cute, dude. Anyway, so this is the monsters in real life that you know that if you're going to if you're going to have a uh, I would sooner have this than the zombie apocalypse. It's a much it's a much it's a much cuter softer at least. Oh little the little baby or softer. Watch. Softer. The thing is, so so mm -hmm. if if you want to help out, I say Google yes. these things too and see if you can yes. help. But again, just just as a quick, um, just don't as a quick it. note from our listeners, don't just don't abandon. please if you're gonna get a pet, spay and neuter it. Like just just get it done, man. Take care of it. Take care of it. It's Makes a them happier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take care of your animals just generally, and you know, I mean, and the thing. Okay, one other thing too. If you if you are going to search out these these uh, bunny help sites and whatever, just do your homework first. Make sure you're not getting scammed. <laughs> there's always there's always fucking people trying to make money on these huh. things, dude. And it's it's horrible. Like, that's not a bad idea. You, know, you put it in there. Or they're so horrible. cute. They are so damn horrible, cute. But they're so it's just like, come on. That is the cutest, horrifying thing ever <laughs> happened right there. Oh uh, my god. Who knew who knew who knew ecological disaster could be so nice? Oh, they're so cute. Who knew? Uh, All right. That's it for this week's episode of the Mad Scientist Roundtable, you guys. Monstering it up. Monstering it up. Thank you so much for listening. Again, we want to give a big shout out actually to our 
good friends over at Blurry Photos, the Daves, because we're going to be, well, I'll, I'm on there uh, for an interview actually this week, Marie. Woot! Excellent! Pretty awesome. And those guys, their podcast is hilarious. So please go check them out. Marie, we got to start sending you out for interviews. Oh, you have to promise you can play nice, though. If there's bunnies, somebody, if somebody, (laughs) if there's bunnies, we will. Somebody offers me up some cute little lap beard. I'll be like, oh, okay. She'll do it. She'll do it. Anyways, thank you so much again for listening. I am Chris Cogswell and my co-host is Marie Mayhew signing out. Thank you. Thank you so much. We will be back in two weeks with another roundtable and in one week with a continuation of our episode on climate change. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) I know, right.